Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It's uh, actually in the wee hours of Wednesday morning. I'm, uh, I'm getting this done today because I'm late because I have a busy day on Wednesday. Matter of fact, I'll be another day, another book signing, right? Uh, so I didn't want to keep you guys waiting to do it in the afternoon. Plus, this time of night, the dogs are already kind of nestled in their beds, and so I don't have to worry so much about getting up, letting people out, letting dogs out, letting dogs in, uh, dogs wrestling, fighting, causing commotion on the show. So uh, so here I am. It, uh, I guess by the time this thing posts, it'll be around 1 a.m., but uh, there's so much going on, I just felt it would be irresponsible of me to wait until I got back from the book signing tomorrow afternoon. Because plus when I get back, I have to get kind of caught up on the message boards and things like that. There's a lot to do uh, in our business. And uh, so that means sometimes we have to keep some unusual hours. So here we are, right around midnight, Wednesday morning. So I hope that you are well. And uh, I would like to also, a couple of things I'd like to say. There's been some uh, some movement on the roster, shall we say. And... Uh, Sometimes people handle that well. Most times they don't. And it's not because they're difficult or they're negative Nellies. And there are some of those people. But by and large, people just don't know. And they wonder, okay, is there a bigger problem here? And so I'm going to talk about some of that today. I'm going to share some information about some of these folks that have left and, uh, and kind of give you my idea of what's going on with Kyle and Hill. I know everybody's interested in that. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. Got a really cool top 10 list today. Uh, I'm excited about this. And there were so many of you that responded to the Barry Manilow thing. Um, Listen, we're not going to do a lot of elevator music. But uh, I did not know so many of you were Barry Manilow fans. Even uh, Roy, a good friend of mine, Roy, reached out to me and said, Hey, I didn't know you knew so much about Barry. You know, again, I was a radio disc jockey and uh, a program director at a radio station for a while to play adult contemporary. So if you know adult contemporary, you know that there's Barry Manilow because there's probably never been a more adult contemporary artist outside of uh, Barry Manilow. You know, maybe Peter Cetera, maybe Michael Bolton, maybe, I don't know. But uh, again, happy to do that. And uh, listen, you know, our, our buddy Dave reached out and said, hey, you know, thanks so much for doing the list. Can't wait to share it with my wife. Uh, listen, this is your show, too. I, I mean, I'm the guy behind the microphone. I'm the guy that publishes all this, compiles everything. But this is a people. It's a show for the people, of the people, uh, and from the people. And so I like doing the top ten list. I think it's good. Uh, it's good interaction for all of us. But uh, also, too, I think it's, it kind of shows a little bit of the personality of our fan base, that we can be so diverse in our musical interest. And so... Uh, that's where we are with that. So again, thanks for your suggestions. I've had a bunch of suggestions since then. So I think people feel like, hey, if he'll do Barry Manilow, he'll do anything. Um, pretty close. Uh, pretty close. But um, listen, glad you guys enjoyed that. And, um, you know, we'll kind of move forward here. But uh, excited to be with you today. Looking forward to going to bed too. i uh, got to get up and bring the kid. But uh, again, it is what it is. And uh, so we'll get right to it. I want to thank you, our, our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. If you are looking for a place to watch the game this weekend, maybe you couldn't get tickets to Tuscaloosa, go by and watch the game at one of the two fabulous Bulldog Burger locations right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas or on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Uh, there's going to be plenty of college football fans there kind of congregating and enjoying the games this weekend. 
go partake in that and also have an incredible meal. The Bulldog Burger Company menu is so diverse. It's not just great hamburgers. Uh, there's so many cool things to choose from. The sweet heat chicken sandwich is one of those things. Maybe you're not quite ready for a burger. And if you're a little bit health conscious, you can get your burger on a gluten-free bun or no bun at all. You can also get one of their fabulous salads. I've shared with you guys before. I don't know that I've ever completed a salad in one sitting. It is very substantial. A lot of people sell you a salad and... Uh, you know, it's really kind of a side salad, and they're kind of passing it off as an entree. That's not the case. The Bulldog Burger Company. You're going to love it. Great food, great prices, great service. Go check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's just jump into this transfer stuff. Okay. So, I guess the first transfer that was reported was uh, Matt Zenitz of AL.com shared that Jalen Maiden uh, was leaving the program. Not unexpected. I guess the timing is uh, somewhat questionable but it's one of those things too that uh, I have learned I'm not going to browbeat anybody here today I know sometimes I get on my soapbox a bit and and things come across being a little bit personal I don't mean them to be but uh, you know many of the people that told us that Jalen Maiden was going to transfer back during the summer are now acting like the sky is falling okay you were right and I think everybody kind of figured pretty early on when Jalen Maiden wasn't mentioned in Mike Leach's comments during fall camp as a real bona fide contender for the starting quarterback job, I think the writing was on the wall, and we all probably knew that. I think Maiden himself probably knew it and thought, you know what, I'll make the best of this, and we'll see what happens. Uh, and if not, I'll make a move. And that's kind of where we are now. And so you may remember that, um, you know, Mike Leach said early on that it was between K.J. Costello and Will Rogers. And uh, I broke on this show and shared on the Bob Allen show that, uh, you know, Will Rogers had supplanted Garrett Schrader as the number two. And there was not much mention of Jalen Maiden even back then. And really the only time he's been a factor in the quarterback race is when Will Rogers was unavailable and Garrett Schrader had made the move to quarterback and to wide receiver from quarterback. And so we played OSU and Maiden was announced as a backup quarterback. Didn't take any snaps. Jalen Maiden is a great guy, okay? And uh, I want to make sure people understand that there's not a problem with Jalen, okay? He didn't do anything. He's not being run off. He's not being processed. This is a decision that he has made that he feels is the the best chance for his future to get on the field. You guys have heard me say many times, you get a short time in life to play ball, and uh, you shouldn't waste any of it uh, as an upperclassman sitting around holding a clipboard. If that means you got to drop down level, if that means you got to go G5 or FCS, whatever it takes, NAIA, whatever, whatever it takes to go make some memories and advance your career and uh, get your education paid for, then that's what you should do. And so if you're one of those guys – that uh, is kind of lost in the numbers on the depth chart. And you realize you're kind of looking up at some people, like in this situation with Jalen, you know, he's been around now for, what, three years, and then there's a true freshman ahead of him on the depth chart. And you've got guys like Sawyer Robertson and Daniel Greek on the way, and so you begin to think, you know what, these folks are kind of beginning to recruit over me. So I commend Jalen Maiden for making the decision uh, for his future. I have absolutely no ill will against him or any young man that decides, you know what, I've got to find somewhere to play. I've got to find somewhere to play. And uh, and here's the deal, too. You know, we all get so caught up in all this. It's, well, you know, these guys love Starkville, and you know, they got a girlfriend here, and they want to stay. And, that, and that's true, too. But um, I don't think you make a decision, what could ultimately be a life-changing decision, you know, based off of college romance. You know, maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, that they're pretty college girls on, on every college campus in America. So, that's not in any way to throw shade at our beautiful Mississippi State ladies. It's not what I'm suggesting. 
But I don't think you make a decision like that, especially if you're a guy that has pro football aspirations. you got to get on the field somewhere. And if for no other reason for yourself, just to say, you know what, i got to go make some memories somewhere. I've worked too hard. I've committed too much to simply sit here and watch my career pass me by uh, as a reserve on the sidelines. Shortly after that, our Paul Jones broke the news that Nick Penley, offensive line prospect Nick Penley, uh, a guy that we were all very high on. You may recall that uh, he turned down offers from Miami and USC to attend Mississippi State. Great family, great young man, and, uh, and he's leaving. And uh, there, you know, there's a lot to unpack with all this. But uh, the bottom line is that Nick Penley, if you guys have watched the ball games, you know, Nick hadn't played. You know, it's like you go, we've had some issues on the offensive line. And despite the fact that our offensive line has really struggled, Nick has not been a factor in that. And so you can look at that and say, okay, listen, this year doesn't count against me. And so I can get out and go somewhere else and, um, you know, kind of reboot my career and have an opportunity to get on the field somewhere. And, again, I don't blame him. And uh, I've got nothing negative to say about Nick Penley. I, I, just the same way I didn't have anything negative to say about Garrett Schrader. But if you go back and look at this 2019 recruiting class, you know, my word, if we had some attrition in that group. I mean, it is incredible to begin to think about uh, the players that have already kind of moved on and it won't be a part of things. And I'm going to break some of that down for you real quick here uh, because, you know, another member of that class is also uh, no longer on the team. That's Kareem Walker. And uh, he has played a little bit on special teams, but, uh, you know, he, he has never, ever reached his full potential. He was an Under Armour All-American at a high school and has not played, played a meaningful snap of college football since his high school days. He scored a touchdown, I guess, against Last Chance U Independence uh, when he was to Fort Scott. Proved to be, I guess, the game winner up there. That's probably the most meaningful carry he has had post-high school. And uh, comes in last year, academic redshirt, couldn't get on the field, gets a chance to get out there this year. A lot of positive reports about his attitude and how he worked very hard and he pushed other guys to get better. But it has never materialized in a productive way for Mississippi State. And, again, that's not to be negative about Kareem, but he's no longer with the program. Uh, do I expect there to be some other details come out about some of this? Probably so. But at the end of the day, neither of these three players – were contributing this year. That's not to say that Nick Penley wouldn't in the future because I firmly believe that he would have challenged for a starting spot next year at one of the guard spots. But I'm not out of practice every day. I don't see what Mason Miller sees. But I do know that these guys are leaving the program. So let's take a look at that 2019 recruiting class. Let's kind of break it down for you. You know, we have some guys that are contributing. Charles Cross, of course, is your starting left tackle. Nathan Pickering, uh, both of those guys, huge gets from Mississippi State. Nathan Pickering, uh, making some plays for the Bulldogs. Demonte Russell not playing this year. Expect him to return next year. Jari and Jones, transfer. Garrett Schrader, transfer. Keani, I don't think he'll ever play here, and I won't be the least bit surprised if he eventually enters the transfer portal. I don't know if it happens this semester or after spring practice, but I don't think that he's going to be with us. As a matter of fact, he missed some time with the team during fall camp. Uh, Brandon Cunningham is another guy that uh, you know still has some long-term potential. But uh, he's a guy that's still having to kind of grow up a little bit. Fred Peters, of course, lost for the year uh, to season-ending surgery. LaQuinston Sharp is a guy that has uh, played at times but also struggled at times. I don't think he is one that will be back next year, even though it is the mulligan-type year. But he will have a year of eligibility if he wanted to pursue that as a potential grad transfer. Uh, Colin Duncan is a guy that's played some mainly as a second-team guy. And with Fred Peters going out, I think we see more of Colin Duncan in the future. Javante Payton, of course, is a senior 
Uh, will be interesting to see what happens with him kind of moving forward since you, this year doesn't count. I think that he is a guy that would impress an individual workout. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him test the uh, pro football waters. Uh, Kareem Walker, we discussed him. Quentin Torber is a guy now that's been here for a couple of years and can't get on the field in a very wide receiver-friendly offense. Uh, J.P. Purvis, you know, had that car accident last year, still not quite 100%. I still believe in him, and I think he'll make a full recovery and hope to see him make some plays for the Bulldogs down the stretch. We mentioned uh, Nick Penley, Lee Weatherspoon, basically your fourth-team running back on opening day, played some on special teams, has not really been a factor. I believe that uh, Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson have more of what we're looking for uh, in this offense, and uh, I won't be the least bit surprised if Lee makes a decision to kind of move on. And, again, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with Lee. It's not that he's done something to be in the doghouse. It's just, you know, Lee, I think, is just not able to compete uh, with some of the people around him. I think there are some guys that are just a little better athletes that are on the depth chart ahead of him. Keziah uh, Pruitt is a guy that has been injury-prone through most of his high school career and uh, hasn't done anything at Mississippi State yet. So that'll be another name that we watch. Martin Emerson, of course, uh, an absolute stud for us. Jack Harris beginning to make some plays for us. You know, Jack's a guy that was running on the two deep at defensive end. Trey Lawson has taken some of those reps as well, but Jack's a guy that we still uh, think has some real potential. Dylan Lawrence was really kind of beginning to round into his own at safety and then broke his ankle in practice. Just one of those crazy things that's happened. He's already had surgery. Uh, I, I think that there's still value in Dylan Lawrence. I know some of our fans think, oh, he's just kind of a throw-in guy that we took late, but I think that he is a guy that, uh, you know, can do some things for us. And I think, you know, what do you have, four tackles? in the ballgame against LSU. Uh, I think that's correct. But, um, you know, be that as it may, you know, I think Dylan Lawrence is a guy that, um, you know, has done some things and probably has just really begun to scratch his potential. And then Brevin Jones also has transferred out too, transferred to Illinois. So when you start doing the numbers on that, that's Brevin Jones, one, Nick Penley, two. Uh, let's see here. Garrett Schrader, three. Jerry and Jones, four. So you've already had four guys transfer out, and of course you've got you'll have your natural attrition as well. And so uh, that 2019 class right now not looking real strong. There's some guys that need to make a move there. But uh, here's the deal too, and I think this is one of those. And again, I'm not going to sit here and throw shade at Joe Moorhead, but when you take in-state guys, you better be 100% sure you're ready to take them. And sometimes I think we took some guys to kind of get our name in the paper and build some momentum. And some of those guys were G5 guys. And uh, now here we are now having to play games with them. And that's the thing you begin to think about. If you get two years into the program and you're not at least contributing on special teams regularly, you're not really challenging for reps, and think about all the receivers that we play. If you're a wide receiver in this class and you're not able to get on the field now, you got to begin to ask yourself, okay, this year doesn't count against me. Do I need to go to JUCO next year and kind of reboot things? Uh, you know, maybe so. But uh, those are the things that I look at. And, again, I harbor no ill will against any of these young people as they prepare to pursue the next step. And so the timing of all this is what I think is important, and I think where it requires a little explanation. So the first thing that people say is, well, Steve, why not wait to the end of the year? These guys are being selfish. Well, here's the thing I'll tell you. Okay, well, the season's going to end on December the 5th. And so then if you enter the transfer portal, not to mention – you know, basically the December signing date is going to go ahead and happen, and these guys will have the opportunity uh, to enroll at a new school in January. So you need to give yourself the best chance to field the best available options before spots get filled and you end up going somewhere that perhaps isn't necessarily to your liking just to be on a team somewhere. 
So if you wait to December the 5th, you basically got a couple weeks. If you go ahead and enter the transfer portal now, you got about six weeks, almost seven weeks to figure this thing out. So you put it out there. It's one of the reasons that I retweet all that stuff because we want to help these guys. It didn't work out here at Mississippi State. It doesn't mean that it's somebody's fault. You know, this happens in baseball all the time. You, know, you have guys come in. Uh, they find out pretty soon, you know what, I can't play at this level or I need some seasoning or I, I'm not going to play here, so I'll go to junior college and kind of reboot the career. So by them making the decision now, it gives them a better chance to be recruited. It gives them a chance to pick up more offers and better options. It's not about playing games. It's about finding a situation where you can participate in college football games. If you wait to December to do it, which, and I understand that would be considered admirable in the eyes of many, you're kind of shortchanging yourself. And if you're entering the transfer portal, you have to be a little bit selfish. And some people say, well, you know, Steve, it should be team first. You know, if I'm not playing anyway, if I'm just going to sit around for the next five ball games, six ball games, and watch everybody else play, why shouldn't I use this time to have an opportunity to go somewhere else where I can get on the field? Not to mention, I also removed the possibility of getting injured. Because if I, let's say I play all year and then let's say I get a knee injury and I have to have offseason surgery, well, I'm damaged good. So then all of a sudden, nobody wants me. And so these guys are making a decision. And I understand it's unpopular with many of our fans. But this is the best decision for themselves. And so I have read some of the social media commentary. The majority of it has been very supportive. But there have been some that have suggested, oh, well, you know, there's got to be a problem at Mississippi State. No, there's not a problem. Okay, we're addressing some problems. And that's not to say these people are problems. But we have people on our roster that are not producing. And so it is a win-win for everybody to go ahead and make the, you know, the dissolution of the relationship now. And again, it doesn't mean these guys are mad at Mississippi State. It doesn't mean they're mad at Mike Leach. It just means they want to play ball. And I will never fault anybody that makes that decision. You know what? It isn't going to be too many years down the road when these guys are going to be paying bills and paying taxes and getting married and raising kids. And so if I have a chance to get out there and play and potentially get on the field somewhere, and then you never know how things go from there, you know, I could change my life. If I can't play at Mississippi State, maybe I can play at Southern Miss. Maybe I could play at Memphis. Maybe I can play at Jackson State. But I can't be seen by pro scouts on the bench. Okay, we, we remember those anomalies because they're anomalies. But, you know, if you can't win a starting job in college, you're not going to win a starting job in the National Football League. And I know that I can't uh, demonstrate my skill in practice. And there are a lot of people, too, who say, well, you know, this guy's a good practice player and this guy wasn't a good practice player and it still worked out. You know, listen. That's part of the gig, too. You got gamers out there. But at the same time, I got to get in the game. I got to get in the game and show you what I can do. And, and as a former high school baseball coach, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not going to try to guy out there that can't do it in practice. If you can't replicate what we teach you to do at a standard at which we hold you to in practice, I'm not going to put you out there on the field, not in a game that matters. I might throw you out there and mop up, and it's what you play a little bit to reward your efforts a little bit. But I'm not going to go out there and give meaningful snaps to guys just for the sake of giving them snaps. That's just not how life works. It doesn't work in business. It doesn't work in real life. And it, should, it doesn't work in the SEC. You know, it works in Little League, you know, because mainly you're just trying to keep the parents happy. 
you know, you want the kids to have some fun, but you don't want to get those angry phone calls from every little league dad telling you their kids are next Greg Maddox. Oh, my, just let him pitch one day in a game. Okay, well, I put him in practice and he can't throw a strike, you know, you know, with no batter in a batter's box. Yeah, but he's a gamer. And then I put him in a game and the next thing you know, he's hitting four or five kids and then the rest of the kids don't like him. We want to go hit, coach. And so I say that to say this. This is best for everybody involved. This is best for us. It opens up some scholarship spots for the next signing class. And we're overcommitted now, right? And we'll get to some of that a little bit later. But if we can use that spot to sign players that will help us, that's what we should do. If we have guys on the roster that are never going to help us, then we should encourage them and help them find an opportunity that is commiserate with their abilities. So, again, best of luck to Jalen Maiden. Moose, we loved you. Great guy. It just didn't work out. Nick Penley, thanks for giving Mississippi State uh, your best effort. We had high hopes for you. Didn't work out. We wish you the best. Kareem Walker, it seems like we barely knew you. But, uh, you know, we gave you an opportunity, and it didn't work out. And so now we're all moving forward, and that's what our fans should do as well. Instead of us sitting around trying to assign motive and figure out who to blame, it just didn't work out. It's as simple as that. And, again, there's so many people that said, you know, there are so many people that were anti-Kareem Walker from the beginning and you're like, well, I don't understand. Well, well, wait a minute. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Either you were right in the beginning or you're wrong now. And so let's not, you know, beat each other up here over things that we can all agree are best for our program. And we all knew, without the benefit of spring practice, that some of these moves are going to be made in season or postseason. And there's going to be some more guys leave. I'm going to go ahead and take it out. There are going to be more players leave. Let that sink in. It's not over. And when it happens, this guy won't be following. If, you, if, if you've done any research at all, you'll know that Mike Leach had double-digit transfers his first year at Washington State. And, again, if they're not going to play here, then they need to go find somewhere they can play. Because we've got to have guys here in the SEC that can play and contribute. And sometimes when you come in, you've inherited players that perhaps were uh, recruited based on somebody else's evaluations for an offensive or defensive scheme that you no longer run, you've got to make some difficult decisions. And guys get the message. They understand it. You know, it's kind of like in recruiting. All of a sudden, you stop texting and recruiting these guys, and they kind of figure out, I probably need to go somewhere else or I'm a priority. It's kind of the same thing here. All of a sudden, I get into uh, fall camp, and all of a sudden, I'm not getting any practice reps. Well, you know, I don't need anybody to tell me. I'm not just going to wake up one day and all of a sudden be Flash Gordon and be out there running around and running people over. You know, these guys are making decisions that they feel that are in the best interest of themselves and their future. And so – for every guy that leaves, hey, listen, hope you enjoyed your time at Mississippi State and I uh, hope you speak well of us in the future and I hope you go out there and do some great things, get your college degree, and I hope all your dreams come true. But sadly, it didn't happen here at Mississippi State. All right, let's get into our uh, top ten list for today, brought to you by the folks at MyBookie. You guys are familiar with them. Many of you I know that uh, you've been around a few 24 hours, so you know that MyBookie has been with us for a while now. My bookie is one of these places, too, that uh, they don't mind paying you. You know, some of these times, you know, you could put some skin in the game and you, you bet with somebody and then you never hear from them again. Uh, that's not the case with my bookie. Between the NFL, college football, and uh, so many other things, there's no shortage of things to watch. And with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. 
If you're the type of person who likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a parlay together for a bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real, real moneymakers. Don't forget our underdogs, which is usually us. They got a ton of value. And that's the thing in the NFL, there's really no true underdogs. I mean, anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday. I think they even filmed a movie about that. Uh, Every team has a chance to win, and so you do too. Game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets, it's never too late to get in on the action and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at MyBookie today, and when you do, use promo code BONEYARD to claim a deposit match for match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. That's right. You, you bet a hundred. You know what? They're going to match you with a hundred dollars of house money. So you got two hundred bucks to play with. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code Boneyard for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit with my bookie. All right, top ten list brought to you today by my, my bookie, uh, courtesy of our friend Todd Malden. Todd reached out and said, "Steve, I don't know if you've done it yet." But how about a top 10 Billy Idol? Oh, and I was so over this, man. As soon as he said it, I was like, I can't believe we haven't done one. We got to do it. Now, I did not go real deep into Billy Idol's catalog. What I mean by that is I didn't go back to, uh, you know, to, to the punk band stuff. I just went with the stuff that you know, the Billy Idol solo stuff, the MTV hits. I went with songs, you know, and sometimes I know I get a little obscure here because when I get to talking about my favorite bands, a lot of my favorite songs are B-sides and things they don't play on the radio. And I've, I've had a handful of people reach out to me of, in my age bracket that had never heard Soundgarden and Audio Slave, which is an absolute crime. I begin to ask, what have you been doing with your life? And said, hey, Steve, love those playlists. Can you give me a little more? And yes, I can. I absolutely can. I had somebody message me and say, Steve, I had never heard the song Room 10,000 Years Wide until you mentioned it. And I didn't mention this either, but one of my favorite uh, Chris Cornell songs from that era, too, is uh, Searching With My Good Eye Closed. That one didn't make the list. But uh, I'm so glad to be able to turn you guys onto some new tunes. No new tunes in this one. This is going to be something you guys are going to know these tracks. Uh, There are some honorable mentions on this one, Billy Idol. Uh, Moni Moni, a great cover. I can't include that in the top 10 because it wasn't his song. Catch My Fall, another really good one that just came up short. And then Shock to the System. Really dig those tracks. Just missed the top 10 list. But here we go. One of the first big hits uh, for Billy Idol as a solo artist was Eyes Without a Face. That's number 10. It seems like that video was on MTV like every 30 minutes. It was like uh, Electric Avenue and then Eyes Without a Face and then something else and something else and then Electric Avenue and then Eyes Without a Face. Uh, number nine, a cool track. I don't know if you can play this anymore today because people have become so dadgum sensitive, but it's Sweet 16. And people forget that uh, rock bands of the 80s were writing songs on behalf of us teenagers, right? It's like people are just like, well, they can't listen to She's Only 17 by Winger. I still listen to it at high volumes. I'm not out there trying to date any teenage girls or anything like that, but I still enjoy the uh, uh, the, the work of Kip Winger and Rep Beach. But everybody, we, we can't play that. Now, Sweet 16 is a killer track. Uh, number eight, Flash for Fantasy. That was another early MTV hit. Number seven, Hot in the City. I think it really shows off Billy's range a little bit in this one. You know, Billy is one of those guys, too, that can use the lower register, but also kind of scream and kind of get up there a little bit. He doesn't have an operatic type voice, but I think Hot in the City kind of shows you know, that grimy grittiness of his voice. Number six, kind of an early new wave punk type song, Dancing with Myself. And um, 
you know, I, you know, I did the uh, the dance with Victory Dance after the LSU game. We haven't won since. I was dancing with myself. I'm eager to dance again. And uh, if we beat Alabama, I might even dance like the full five or six-minute song. Probably kill myself, but I'll do it. Might need to go out there and do an Indian dance or something to just to kind of a rain dance or some sort to kind of reverse our mojo. Number five, one that I think is, is a much better song than the airplay that it gets, and that's uh, Don't Need a Gun. I, I think that is a really slick song. Probably doesn't get the recognition that it deserves, but Don't Need a Gun is a, a sneaky Billy Idol classic. Really dig that one. Number four, uh, one of my favorite videos from that era, too, is uh, Cradle of Love. And there's, uh, you know, again, it, it's different than uh, the Dion song, you know, but uh, it is a cool track. And, uh, again, it's, uh, you know, Billy writing about a girl that's uh, a little bit younger than him. Number three, what a great video. And uh, I love the backing vocals on this. You know, it's almost like an Aretha Franklin type deal. Love the backing vocals on this. And it's almost a little bit indulgent for Billy, but to be a lover. I, I think that is such a cool song. And uh, there aren't many people cooler than Billy Idol. And I think in that video, that to be a lover video, you really see Billy in his full coolness. And I don't just mean like on the, uh, the wedding singer when he's on the plane and giving Adam Sandler advice on uh, how to go get Drew Barrymore, even though you could all probably learn from Billy Idol. Okay, I think the final two songs here, I think everybody will agree, are the best two Billy Idol tracks. They're classics, and uh, they are best played at high volume. And you're doing yourself and the songs a disservice when you turn the radio down when they're being played. And so I'm going to say this. When you're listening to this playlist, uh, and we'll have this out for you a little bit later today, but when you're listening to this playlist, if you have to, restart the song. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't disrespect the music by pausing it or turning the volume down or taking a call. There's no call right now that's more important than listening to these two Billy Idol tracks. But number two for me, and I know it's number one for a lot of you, but it's number two for me, and it's White Wedding. And now there are two parts to this song. And so I'm going to encourage you, listen to both parts. Because you hear basically what made MTV was White Wedding Part 1. You can find it on iTunes in its entirety, Parts 1 and 2. And it's going to kind of open the song up a little bit more to you. And you may not know this, but that song is written kind of as a protest song uh, that Billy wrote about his younger sister who uh, got pregnant out of wedlock. And so it's all kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's a nice day for a white wedding. And, and that's the whole thing about the shotgun. You know, hey, little sister, shotgun. Because a shotgun wedding because she was pregnant. And then uh, she got the last laugh because uh, Billy Otto ended up getting divorced. And she uh, kind of threw that back in his face. But number one for me, and to me, it is the Billy Idol song. It's Rebel Yell. And I know we don't like things Rebel. We can make an exception for Billy Idol, the British king. Uh, Rebel Yell is actually a love song, and uh, I didn't fully appreciate that until I heard kind of a stripped-down acoustic version of that by the band Otherwise, who was a killer band, if you don't know them. But they kind of, you know, dialed it back, and they did an acoustic version, and you hear it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, holy smokes, this is a love song. Rebel Yell is a love song. And uh, recently, Smith Myers, that's uh, Brent Smith and Zach Myers from one of my favorite bands, Shinedown, released uh, Smith Myers uh, Volumes 1 and 2, some quarantine covers they did. They also did a very stirring rendition of Rebel Yell. 
But uh, as much as I love that the aspect of it, I love the grittiness. I love Steve Stevens' guitar playing on this. I think this guitar solo is a classic, and it fits the song perfectly. There's so many soloists that, uh, you know, they kind of over overburden the song a little bit, trying to do too much on the guitar. I think Steve Stevens, perfect guitar player for Billy Idol. They wrote so many great songs together. But Rebel Yell, that's the one. Go check it out today. If you're a young person and you've only heard it peripherally, I'm going to tell you, make it part of your playlist. Uh, you'll be pumping your fist in no time. If you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out to me uh, on social media. I just might use them. I've got several kind of lined up now, but I'm always looking for some just like this one. I had a list, and then Todd reached out, and I jumped on it. I said, you know what? I got to get to this. Uh, When we get back on Friday, I'm leaning towards an Elvis Presley list, just so you guys know. Leaning towards Elvis Presley. I'm still getting messages about that uh, Mississippi list. And listen, some of you are just so ridiculous, and I love you to death. And so because we're family, I can say this. You know, people are like sending me these people, these obscure guys. They were from Mississippi, and they may have been a studio musician, uh, like on a B-side of some live album for some band. I mean, it's, I begin to think to myself, okay, listen, we're really deep, you know, reaching the bottom of the barrel uh, with some of this. I probably made a huge mistake. I'll admit it, by not including Jimmy Buffett, I know that he is originally from Pascagoula, so I'll take the heat on that one. I'm not going to take the heat on uh, the rest of that stuff, though, because like we're talking about Robert Johnson, Elvis Presley, Faith Hill, Tammy Wynette, uh, Ike Turner. I mean, you know, so you're asking me to take some obscure musician and knock off somebody that is basically a legend in music that it's from Mississippi. And so I'm not going to do it. I tell you guys all the time, you can have your own list. Your list would be wrong. I was wrong by not having Jimmy Buffett on the list, but I'm not putting, you know, your neighbor's kids that, you know, that one day opened up for a cover band that at one point uh, knew somebody that went and saw ACDC. I'm not, not doing it. Not doing it. All right. Let's uh, talk about our good friends at Hawthorne. You guys know that I'm a big fan of Hawthorne. I've used their products many, 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 many times. I wear my Hawthorne cologne every single day. I, whether I'm going anywhere or not, I like the way it smells. I feel like a better person when I wear it. Uh, you will too. One of the reasons why is because it was made for me. Hawthorne is a premium tailored personal care brand that is making it easy for guys to feel and smell their very best. I can speak from experience. I know many of you can as well. Go to their website, Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. I'm talking to you. Yes, Hawthorne.co. And just take the quiz. They're going to ask you very simple things like, what's your favorite drink? How do you like to spend a night out? Do you smoke? And they factor all these answers into the results to find the cologne that best fits you. It's really easy. And uh, it's actually kind of fun, too, because you never know kind of what they're going to ask you. It's not like you take these quizzes sometimes and it doesn't make any sense. It all makes sense. And I have every one of their products. I got the lotion. I got the body wash. I got the shampoo, the conditioner. Uh, the, one of the things I love about the cologne is they send you a work scent and a play scent. And so it's both are tailored for you, but uh, they smell similar to kind of companion fragrances, but you're going to be happy with what you get. If you want to upgrade your personal self-care routine, depend on the folks at Hawthorne to help you. Hawthorne's fun and convenient, and it's super high-quality products tailored specifically for you and your needs. Many of you are wearing cologne that doesn't fit you. I'm telling you now, nobody else is willing to tell you. I'm your friend. I'll tell you the truth. Hawthorne even takes the risk out of all this, giving you free shipping on your order and any products you return. And if you don't even like your products, guess what? They'll retailer them for you based on your feedback. Do what I did. Take Hawthorne's quiz today. Get started your personalized self-care routine by going to hawthorne.co 
Use promo code BONEYARD and you get 10% off your first purchase. That's right. You save a little money by being a Boneyard listener. That's hawthorne.co, promo code BONEYARD. Promo code BONEYARD. Go check it out. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Kylan Hill. I'll tell you what's going on and what I know to be true and what I believe to be happening next. Okay, last week over on the jeanspage.com True Maroon Board, that's our premium VIP football message board, I shared that I had heard that Kylan Hill was leaning towards opting out and not playing the rest of the season. A report came out today from uh, AL.com. Uh, Matt Zenitz puts out that he's kind of hearing the same things. Within an hour, I started getting messages from people extremely close to the situation, and that's all that I'll say. Let me just tell you my source on this is impeccable. So Colin Hill has not opted out yet. So we put a story together and we share that. Colin Hill then goes on Twitter himself and Instagram and says that he hadn't left the team. Says that he has not opted out. And uh, I double-checked with some other people, and they said that's correct. He has not opted out. Now, to be fair, I still expect him to opt out. I still do. I don't think that there will be this triumphant return, and I hate that because I think Colin Hill could help us win some football games. Uh, have there been some situations he could have handled better? Yes. Does everybody want to know the details? Yes. Are you going to get them? No. And it's probably for the best. You know, I, I don't. It's one of the things I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own right to know we want an autopsy on every situation. And there are just some things that aren't for public consumption. This is one of them. This is one of them. Uh, I have a lot of favorable feelings about Colin Hill and the contributions he made to Mississippi State football, and that's how I will choose to remember him. Uh, covered Colin Hill since he was a sophomore in high school. I think a lot of him and his family. Uh, things have not gone the way that uh, he or we had hoped this year. This was supposed to be a huge year for him, a chance for him to kind of showcase himself and show a more well-rounded game, show that he can handle pass protection and be a great receiver out of the backfield. But it hadn't materialized. I mean, listen, we've had a lot of problems this year. We have. At the end of the day, Colin Hill's not going to be a part of things moving forward. I mean, I just, I just don't see a, a path back now. I was told uh, after the Kentucky game that uh, you know, there were some things that took place, but there was a potential path back. There were some steps that he had to take to kind of get reinstated to be back on the football team. And then, of course, he was suspended for the Texas A&M game. And I've had some people come out and try to dispute that. They're wrong. I can promise you that. They are 100% wrong. He was suspended for the Texas A&M game. I don't care who put what on Twitter. That's the bottom line. He did not participate in practice that week. Um, but he has not opted out. I've also been told that uh, there has been some contact uh, about – kind of investigating agents. There has been some contact. I don't know if he's actually had any formal contact with anybody, but I understand that, uh, that there has been some talk about kind of investigating and doing some, uh, some due diligence to kind of see what the next step should be for his professional future, and he will have a professional future. Okay, and, there, and that's one thing, too, I get a little wrapped up in, too. Some of our people are like, oh, well, he did this and he did that, and he's making a big mistake. And you know what? I think he is making a mistake. I, I really do. But I still think that he'll have a professional football future. And I hope that he does well. I hope that he gets a situation uh, that is, you know, good for both he and his family and get a chance to continue to play football. Uh, are there some things that he needs to do to be a better person and player? Absolutely. 
Absolutely he does. But I'm not going to turn my back on one of our guys just because, you know, some things didn't go well. I mean, again, you know, I just I think it's important that we all kind of move forward without disparaging other. It's almost like a divorce, you know. Sometimes things get heated, and sometimes people get caught up in the moment. But in the end, you know, we had some good times together. We did. So I wish Colin Hill the best. But, again, there has been so much information put out there. And, you know, here's the deal. I think it's all true. I think Matt Zenit's report that basically echoed my report from last week that he is leaning towards opting out, I believe that's true. I know that he has not opted out yet. I believe that to be true. I also believe that he is going to opt out. And all of those things can be true. He's leaning towards doing it now, true. He hadn't done it yet, true. And then he'll opt out soon, true. I believe all those things are true. And there are people that say, well, there are so many conflicting reports. And I think a lot of it is because our, our fans want to believe, okay, okay, Kyle will come on back and we'll finish the season. And, uh, you know, we'll find a way to win some ball games. And, and that's, that's wishful thinking. I just don't believe that's going to happen. I would love for that to be the case. I'd love for Kyle and Hill to come back and uh, have a tremendous second half and help Mississippi State win games and improve his draft stock. That, I believe that would be an absolutely wonderful experience. I just don't expect that to happen. It doesn't mean that I don't wish it would happen, because I do. I just don't believe it's going to happen. I believe that we'll find out probably by the end of the week, if not the first part of next week, that Cowan's going to go ahead and opt out and begin training for the NFL draft. There was some discussion about him doing that during the summer, and he quickly kind of put that down. And Cowan really wanted to play in his offense and kind of show people what he could do. But at the end of the day, people have to make decisions for themselves. And then some people would like to suggest, well, you know, this is you know, Mississippi State. Mike Leach decided he's not going to be able to do this. And, you know, you can, if you talk to enough people, you can believe whatever you want. You can hear whatever you want, and you can find things that kind of fit your narrative. But, um, again, I wish Kyle and Hill the absolute best. I absolutely do. I hope that he gets in the National Football League and, and tears it up. And, um, you know, he'd probably be, you know, while running that football, he probably would say Columbus High School instead of Mississippi State. You know, that's okay, too. Because uh, I'll just choose to remember Colin for the good things that he gave me, uh, and that was him playing at a maximum effort for Mississippi State and helping us win some football games. So that's the situation with him. So let's not, let's not have any misinformation out there, and let's not delude ourselves into thinking this is going to have a happy ending because I just don't believe that it's going to. Not, not this season. I think ultimately Mississippi State will – We'll reap some, some benefit from Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks getting a lot more game reps. And I think Colin Hill will benefit having some time to, uh, to get healthy. And, to, uh, and, and not that he's not healthy. My point being is that he can be in, in premium condition when he gets an opportunity to work out for NFL teams. And so I think that could be a win-win. And my hope is that a lot of this social media commentary that has been so negative about Colin Hill will kind of die down. Because I don't know what the, I don't know what we gain from any of that. I mean, I'll, I'll post an article in somebody's Facebook groups, and people just harm the attack. This guy's a bulldog, man. You know, it's like these are the same people that uh, you know tell you that you know, we don't have fans, we have family. Until there's a little adversity, you know, I'm glad I'm not married to many of y'all. I can promise you that. It's like I'm afraid I would disappoint you. Next thing you know, my stuff be in the front yard. You know. Nevertheless, let's move forward with all that. And so um, I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, Alabama. But uh, before I do, let me remind you, too, that uh, we do have a new sponsor for the show, and that's Keeps. And uh, Listen, I'm a hair guy. 
I've always been a hair guy. I like hair metal. Uh, I, I kind of find that term to be a little bit disparaging, but, uh, you know, I, I've always liked long hair. I love having long hair. Most of us can't grow it, so I, I'll do it for all of us. Uh, but listen, here's the deal. Most of my friends, including my two best friends, are completely bald. They would love to have these luxurious locks that I have, dreaded or not. As a matter of fact, several years ago, when I first began growing my hair out, uh, my best friend in the world saw me after an extended period of time. He goes, you're just showing out now. So I'm really showing out now. I hadn't had a haircut since 2012. Uh, so our identity, in many ways, is wrapped up in our hair. It's kind of my trademark. And so this is why we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing that, you know what, we might be losing our hair. you got to take some proactive steps. It feels like it's a panic time. One of my best friends, even in his early 20s, already had a receding hairline. That might be you. So nobody's ever ready to go bald, even though it's a bit of a fashion statement at times. I think deep down, everybody wishes they could grow their hair out like me. But thankfully for you, there's keeps. The simple and easy way to keep your hair. Did you know that two out of three guys are going to experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time we're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair. You can get treated at home. You used to have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and convenient. Your medication shows up every three months, so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. And who has time for all that anyway? We're also busy. If you can eliminate a couple steps in the process, you're better off. Prevention's the key. Keeps treatments typically take about four to six months to see results, so it's important that you act today. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. And find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatment starts at just 10 bucks a month. For a limited time, you can get your first month for free. So uh, let's, again, talk about this. Okay, you need to do this right now. Go to, and you can pause the show and write it down if you need to, or come back and replay it. Pause it. I'll give you permission. Go to Keeps dot com slash boneyard very very simple that's k-e-e-p-s dot com slash boneyard i'm going to repeat it one more time before we move on keeps dot com slash boneyard k-e-e-p-s dot com slash boneyard and that'll set you up and uh you'll be good to go and you'll be glad you did and the sooner you do it the better off you're going to feel you're going to feel like you're doing something good for yourself so go check it out today. That's keeps.com slash boneyard. All right, let's get into some other things. Let's talk about the University of Alabama because despite all the drama of uh, Tuesday, we still have a football game to play. I don't know if you've noticed, but Alabama is recruiting at a very high level, right? And they have been for a long time, and it shows. I mean, it's, we talk all the time about X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's and that kind of stuff. Listen, Nick Saban has put together a machine at Alabama. It kind of recruits itself, but, you know, of course, they're having to compete against Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas, big-time programs like that, and they're winning more than they're losing. It's as simple as that. And when you look at the machine that uh, Nick Saban has assembled and the money they commit to recruiting and with all these you know, QC analysts and off-the-field you know, people that help with recruiting and breaking down film, recruiting analysts, that sort of stuff, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. And then you're seeing the results of that commitment on the field. It's incredible to think about. Najee Harris, one of the best running backs in the country coming out. He's played in five games. He's really not torn it up, though. And what I mean by that is, you know, he is kind of going about his business here, and he didn't play in four quarters more times than not. 
In five games, he's got 595 yards, one negative rush for three, negative three yards. That's it. 103 attempts and one negative rush. Scored 14 touchdowns, averaging 119 yards per game. They don't need him to carry it and get 200 yards a game, although he certainly could. I love how Alabama's rotating running backs. The deeper they get in the games, the deeper they get into the depth chart. Uh, Brian Robinson, 203 yards, uh, averaging right at 40 a game, got a couple touchdowns. I tell you, a guy for the future you need to really watch. It's number 24, Trey Sanders. He was hurt last year. And if you watch that late in that Tennessee ball game, that guy has a burst. I mean, that guy, when you begin to look at him and look at what he's capable of, you know, Najee Harris is going to move on this year. Don't be the least bit surprised if Trey Sanders is a starter next year. Don't, I, I'm telling you, the kid can, is phenomenal. He's only played in three games. He's only got a handful of carries, I guess 18. But he is a guy that has real long-term potential. They'll be kind of careful with him, you know, for a while, kind of get him up and running. But, uh, you know, it's like they always say at Alabama, they don't recruit, they reload. I mean, that's kind of what you're looking at now. Even the fact they're going to lose Najee Harris. They're not, their running game will not take a step back. With that great offensive line they've got this year and the way Mac Jones is playing, I think everybody realizes Alabama is a bona fide contender. People are worried about the defense. And they're, I don't know their defense is elite just yet. They've got some elite athletes. I don't know if they're playing at an elite level. And I know Pete Golden's taking a lot of criticism for it. But this Alabama offense is uh, phenomenal. And it's like that's the thing, too. You know, Lane Kiffin got so much credit for being a, you know, an innovative play caller at Alabama. I think the, the biggest thing you looked at with Lane – is that he kind of got Saban to kind of abandon some of those antiquated offensive philosophies and just kind of beating people down and pulverizing people and began to spread people out and kind of open the field up. And then that's when Alabama kind of took the next level. Uh, they really did. And so if you want to give Lane Kiffin credit for anything, it's probably modernizing the Alabama offense. Now, looking at this passing game, Mac Jones, and I have undersold him, I really thought they would struggle a little bit with him this year. Man, this guy might win the Heisman Trophy. I mean, these numbers that he's putting up are just unbelievable. And it's not like, you know, they're playing the Mississippi School of Math and Sciences. You know, it's, you know they have already beat A&M, who was a bona fide bowl team, well. They destroyed Tennessee. Uh, what they put up, you know, and what, 70-something points on Ole Miss? You know, so Mac Jones has played in five games. He is 115 for 146 for 78.77 completion percentage. That is ridiculous. And it's not like it's all dink and dunk stuff. Usually when you see a passing percentage that high, it's one of these controlled passing games. We're just going to run the inside slant. We're going to run the angle route a lot. They get vertical with Mac. And uh, he will lay the ball up there sometimes and let his receivers go make a play. He has good ball placement. And uh, that's probably the thing that impresses me the most with him is his ability to kind of lay it up there and let his guy go make a play and throw it where only his guy can go get it. Just two interceptions on the year, 1,905 yards. He's on, I mean, he would easily be over 2,000 if they continued to play him. He could have had another 400-yard passing game last week against Tennessee, and they pulled him. Uh, but, yeah, three, averaging 381 yards through the air every single game. Had a 90-yard touchdown recently. I guess that was against Tennessee. I mean, it's ridiculous to think at the level of which he's playing. I think it's important to understand, too, he is a much better player than he has been advertised to be by many people in the media, including myself. I will eat that one. Mac, I apologize. You're an absolute stud. Now, 
life has gotten a little more interesting with the loss of Jalen Waddle, who might be the best wide receiver in America. And uh, he had season-ending surgery on Saturday night after uh, you know breaking his ankle against Tennessee. First play of the game, it's very unfortunate. Jalen Waddle, uh, one of the fastest receivers in the country, no doubt, and uh, one of those guys too. That there, it, it's there's so many people that you see react when guys get hurt because there's a fraternity that we're not in, and you see these other players around the SEC when Jalen Waddle is so incredibly well respected. Uh, in this league, and you saw players from every team reaching out, you know, friends, foes, whatever, uh, because they understand. They understand how hard each other works, and then to have a guy of that ability lose his season, uh, it's it's very disheartening. So you wish the absolute best for him. Nick Saban gave an update on Monday, uh, said they expect him to kind of hit the ground running, and as soon as he can get some full rehab in here in a couple months, uh, they expect him to make a full recovery, and we certainly hope that's the case. But – you know, he's 25 catches this year, which is uh, second on the team to Devontae Smith, but he actually has more yards than Smith, despite having 20 less catches. 557 yards, an average of 22 per catch, four touchdowns, a long of 90. Uh, then Devontae Smith, many people consider him the second best receiver in America. Uh, 45 catches, 556, four touchdowns. Both of those guys averaging 111 yards per game. So you remove that deep threat. And it kind of opens some things up for you. It does. But, uh, you know, Slade Bolton stepped in really nicely last week and did a great job. I mean, and he hadn't, he hadn't had a lot of opportunities, even though he's played in five games. But he had a big game against Tennessee. Really think that – I don't know they're going to miss much. You know, they're going to miss some because Jalen Waddle's a guy that can just blow the top off the defense. Uh, but, yeah, Slade Bolton's a guy that can work the middle of the field and get underneath and do some things in the slot that really kind of opens some things up. And so – uh, I really like him. Uh, I think that he is a guy that we've got to really watch. And I love Miller Forrestall, the tight end. Mississippi State recruited and offered him. They don't throw it a lot to the tight end, but he do he does he do he does so much for them, kind of as a perimeter blocker. And then he'll go out there and kind of fame that and slip out in the pass pattern. Uh, good hands, kind of does the grunt work for them. Kind of a throwback tight end. Really like him a lot. Uh, but listen, offensively, they're going to have some weapons. We're going to have to play exceptionally well. Uh, just to kind of keep this game close and competitive. And I don't know that we can. I'll be honest with you. Because if we don't play better on offense, uh, we're going to kind of be uh, aiding our own demise. Uh, looking at things defensively for them, and again, they are getting better, but they not, they're not what they were during championship years. Baton Rouge product Dylan Moses leads the team in tackles with 43. You remember he missed uh, most of last year with an ACL injury. Glad to see him back. At 100%, maybe it was year before. But Dylan Moses, an absolute bona fide stud. And uh, Nick Saban goes into Baton Rouge and gets a kid that LSU really wanted. All of their experts expected him to flip back to LSU. I was told the day he committed to Alabama, that thing was completely over. Completely over. That Nick Saban sold him on being an NFL player and that he needed to get out of Baton Rouge and uh, kind of start fresh in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he's done a great job there. Christian Harris, another guy that feels like he's been there forever. And, they, and they, again, they just kind of reload. You know how it works. Uh, 36 tackles, a couple quarterback hurries. Uh, one of the guys, a name that you guys should be familiar with, Byron Young, I thought played exceptional last week against uh, Tennessee. He's played in all five games for them, just the nine tackles. But uh, Nick Saban kind of mentioned him as a guy that is beginning to emerge as a playmaker on that front. And, listen, they – they have not been able to generate a ton of pass rush, which is amazing considering how well they've recruited. But uh, Byron Young is a guy that uh, is big enough, strong enough, 
to kind of get in there and make some things happen. And uh, here's the thing. You know, we played Texas A&M. I think they had two and a half sacks. And then we made them look like the 46 uh, zone defense from the, uh, the 85 Bears. You know, we made them look remarkable. So the Alabama pass rush could get healthy against us because I'm sure they're thinking, okay, this is a chance for me to kind of get in there and pad my stats a little bit. But, uh, you know, listen, I, I transcribed the next Saban press conference and everything he had to say about Mississippi State. They're going to drop in his own too, and you would think, okay, well, you know, they're a lot like LSU. They could probably man us up. But why would you want to? Why would you commit to manning us up when if, if we throw it eight, nine times on a drive, there's a good chance one of those balls is going to come to you? So it's going to be a ton of zone. And, uh, you know, we've got to figure some things out. And as I've discussed on the show many times, it's not just about the quarterback position. It's not. And I think Mike Leach is uh, prepping both guys to play. And I don't know if you want to throw Will Rogers out there to the Wolves and run the risk of him getting hurt against Alabama with this patchwork offensive line that we've got. But maybe you let K.J. get out there and uh, kind of see how things go. And I know people said, oh, Steve, it just burns my heart to think about K.J. going back out there. Uh, well, here's the reality of that is we're down to two scholarship quarterbacks you know, this year. I can't even remember if Alan Walters is uh, eligible. That's a transfer from Vandy. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't think he is. So we got to figure this thing out. But uh, I think Will Rogers is the quarterback for the foreseeable future. But uh, Mike Leach has got to manage the situation as best he can, and, and, uh, and he will. He'll do a good job for us. But uh, I I'm just encourage you guys to kind of take a deep breath. Nobody expects us to really go out in this ballgame and compete. And sometimes that may be exactly what you need to kind of figure some things out. You know, listen, Alabama is scary, especially offensively. And I'm, I'm eager to see what Zach Arnett is going to do against Alabama. I'm eager to see what we do to kind of slow down Najee Harris and kind of put some pressure on Mac Jones. He is not a guy that takes a lot of chances with the football. But maybe you speed him up a little bit, and maybe he gives you an opportunity to get some turnovers. But, uh, yeah, this is an Alabama team that, uh, because of their proficiency on offense, they're a team that can separate. And if you look at what they did to Georgia and look at what they did to Tennessee, it's a struggle for a while. They get into the halftime locker room. And they dial some things up, and they adjust to what you're doing, and they blow you away. So my hope is we can go over there and do some things out and kind of figure some things out that kind of prepare us for down the road. But it's so hard to get well against a team as talented as Alabama. So this is one of those games that is likely more endured than enjoyed. Remind you guys, our friends at Campus Bookmark, they're happy to serve you. Stand man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, they're going to take care of you. You can contact them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. They're going to have so many great items for you to choose from. Clothing, apparel, novelty items, baby clothes, blankets, golf shirts, T-shirts, hats, items of memorabilia, pictures, anything Mississippi State related you can find right there. Kathy Brown, and if it's got an M over S on it, she's already got it on order. All right, and you're already thinking about doing some Christmas shopping, and most of you don't want to get out and go fight those malls anyway. So let's make it easy. Go to campusbookmart.net, and because you're my friends, let me give you a promo code to save you that shipping charge. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Go check it out again. That's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, so recruiting-wise, you know, we kind of got a little bit of a surprise over the weekend when Deshaun Page went ahead and committed. It was not unexpected that he was going to commit, but he did go ahead and jump on the board uh, last weekend, happy to do it. Carson Williams should be the next Bulldog commitment. That's an offensive lineman out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, originally from Forest, Mississippi, Scott Central High School. 
I like this guy a lot. I do because of his size. We don't have a lot of massive offensive linemen. And if you go back and look at what Texas Tech and Washington State had, they had those huge guys that were so difficult to get around that they could also move a little bit. And so Clarence McDougal says that Carson Williams has the best feet on the team. Of all the offensive linemen, the best feet. And so when you've got a guy that is – I think he measured in 6'4", 295 pounds, 296 pounds. you got a guy that size, that massive, that can move. That's what we're looking for. That's, ex- that's exactly what we're looking for at offensive line. Uh, so my hope is is that he can come in and really compete. And I understand he's going to get his first look at right tackle, but he could also play guard if necessary. Uh, but, we, you know, listen, we need guys with girth and length. We don't have a lot of them. If you go back, if you look at our interior linemen, uh, we're basically asking them to do the things we did at Washington State, and the splits are a little difficult to pull off because these guys don't necessarily have the wingspan to do it. So we're trying to recruit to kind of fill that need. Carson Williams has talked about making an announcement this week. That may happen. Uh, but Mississippi Gulf Coast has also been shut down for the next week, so he might delay it and do it next week, but it's really a matter of time. We talked early on about the scholarship limitations that we have because of uh, being up against the 83 limit. You may recall that we can sign uh, 25 players per year, but we can't exceed the 83 limit uh, because of the Tudorgate sanctions. And so we're up against the 83. We'd like to have those two scholarships back, but with some of this attrition that we're having, we're beginning to inch closer and closer to being able to sign the full allotment. Now, we have one spot remaining. We have one initial counter left in 2020 so we can sign a junior college guy in mid-year and have him count towards 2020 and then sign a full 25 for 2021 so what that means is theoretically we can sign 21 players as long as we have a scholarship spot for all of them that keeps us at the 83 limit or below we're probably going to have to have four more guys leave the program in order to make that happen so i told you guys earlier in the show more guys are going to leave. And it's true. And in order for us to sign the maximum guys available, we're going to need that to happen. Now, will you have four more leave between now and December? Probably not. You'll probably have some leave in the spring or announce they're leaving in the spring. And then that'll open up some spots for us to kind of cherry pick the, the transfer portal a little bit. Because, we're listen, we're going to probably need some veteran guys, especially like defensive end. You know, Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer, they're not going to be back. Those guys are going to be on pro rosters next year. And so they're not going to exercise the ability to come back and play as a senior when they've got a chance to go make money playing football. And so we're going to be very young at defensive end. We're going to be very talented at defensive tackle. We've got some young defensive ends that are kind of coming along, but we're going to need a veteran guy. So I suspect that we'll save a couple of spots for transfer portal stuff in the spring and post-spring. So you don't necessarily have to have four more guys leave for make that happen between now and December. But once we get into spring practice and guys kind of see the writing on the wall and think, you know what, I didn't go so much and play, uh, they're going to move on. And so if memory serves me correct, we had 16 scholarship seniors entering the year. Now anybody that elects to come back, and there may be one or two, there's not going to be many, they won't count towards the 83 limit. So you got 16 spots to work with. And so you had to open up 10 to sign your full allotment. Well, you've had some guys leave. Brevin Jones left. Okay, Brevin Jones left. We talked about that. Garrett Schrader's leaving. 
Nick Penley's leaving. Kareem Walker was already a senior, so he doesn't count. And so now you're kind of moving on up. Jarian Jones leaves. Fabian Lovett leaves. And so if memory serves me correct, I think it's like six right now. So that takes you from 16 to 22. So four more gets you to 26. There'll be a couple more guys leave now, probably a couple more guys leave in the spring, and it won't mean the sky is falling. Remember, I told you so now. I'm telling you now, there are going to be more players leave. Now, that's not going to stop people from freaking out on Facebook. It's not. It's not going to stop me from getting all these messages. Steve, what is going on with our football program? I'm telling you now, they're going to leave. And it's not because anybody did anything wrong. It's because we've got to find guys that fit our scheme. There are going to be some, quote, good kids that are great guys that are not necessarily a great fit for us. And so we'll move forward. And, again, I would rather them move on and go find somewhere to play than ride the bench here and eat up scholarship money, uh, you know, and not produce. It's a win for everybody. It's, it's part of it. We're going through this – you know, this transformation period in our program's history. And so as a result, there, there's going to be some attrition. That is just how life works. So they're going to be, go ahead and book it down. Between now and the end of the academic school year, they're going to be at least four more players leave. I'm just telling you right now, go ahead and book it. Go ahead and write it down. And it may be some names you know. And I told you guys back in the spring when we started getting the return to midnight maneuvers, that there were going to be some guys leave our program, and there were going to be some people that you knew. There are going to be some names that you were familiar with. There are going to be some people that made plays for us. And just about everybody who was anybody said, hey, Garrett Schrader's going to transfer. And, I, you know, listen, I always thought that was a possibility because I didn't know that he was the best fit. I still think he is capable of running this offense. Mike Leach doesn't agree. Mike Leach votes count. Mine doesn't. Wish Garrett the best, just like I wish Colin Hill the best. And I appreciate those guys' contributions to Mississippi State. But there will be other people leave. I mean, pre- prepare yourselves. Go ahead and start talking about it at the water cooler and say, yeah, my, yeah, talk to my guy. Talk to my inside source, and he tells me there's going to be four more guys leave at a minimum. And then you'll look really cool when it happens. You can come back and say, yeah, I told you so. I'm, I'm connected. Four more guys are going to leave. Speaking of good guys, you know our friend Brooks Bryan. I've told you guys before, Brooks Bryan – a Mississippi State hero, and my friend. Brooks is part of a new residential complex here in Starkville called Portico. And if you're looking for an investment property, a second home, or perhaps your primary residence, Portico might be the place for you. It's uh, conveniently located off Garrett Road. You guys are familiar with Garrett Road, I'm sure. And if you're not, let me tell you, it's right behind the uh, Chrysler Jeep dealership and the new Hilton Garden Inn just over one mile from campus, so conveniently located. Very easy access to Highway 82 and 25. And it's really cool being right there, I can tell you, as a guy that lives in the country. I like being able to use the bypass when i got to go to Walmart. And if i got to go to campus too, I can use that bypass. And you're going to be right there by that, so you can kind of avoid all that. And sometimes when things get convoluted on 12, you don't have to be a part of that. There are going to be 51 total houses in the Portico development. 18 houses in the first phase, and they're nearing completion, pretty close to move-in shape already. And then 33 houses in the second phase, and that's going to get started up here uh, after Christmas. Houses are going to range from uh, 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. It can just about fit all your needs. Two-bedroom, two-baths, up to four-bedroom, four-baths. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. 
Brooks Bryan is one of the developers, and as I've shared with you guys many times before, I like to do business with Bulldogs whenever I can. Uh, if i got to go spend some money, even if I have to pay a little bit more, I'd rather do business with a Bulldog because I feel like I know where that money's going to go. If you'd like to talk to Brooks about this, and I, and I, think, you, I think you want to, I, I think you're going to want to reach out, at least kind of price this thing out and see if it's a good fit for you. Or if you want to talk Diamond Dog Baseball, and it's great teams in the late 90s that went to Omaha, Nebraska, you can call Brooks at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. So happy to have Brooks and crew along on the Boneyard ride. All right, so uh, I'm getting ready to get out of here. I want to share a couple things with you guys. Uh, thanks to everybody that came out to Stribling Pharmacy on Tuesday Man, it's so great for you guys to come out there. And I go to these small towns, man. You guys know how to make a guy feel welcome. For those of you in Philadelphia and Neshoba County and the surrounding area, if you couldn't make it to the book signing, I signed every book in the building at Stribling Pharmacy. You can go by today. You can get signed copies of Flim Flam. You get signed copies of Stark Villains. And you get signed copies of Alpha Dogs. I signed every single one of them. Had a lot of people reaching out to Miss Deborah Lay today and say, oh, we can't make it. So we took orders over the phone. And so if you didn't get a chance to do that, because I know we changed the schedule on that once, and I had people come by. It's like, oh, I thought you were going to be here like a couple days ago. So I know there was some confusion. We still had a good day. But uh, if you're still looking for the book, you can go there uh, anytime. And, uh, and you know what? Buy her books, and, and, and we'll send her some more. If you're, gonna be, if you're a member of the Rotary Club in uh, Louisville, Mississippi, you're going to see me today. I'll be there from 1130 to 1. Uh, looking forward to getting over there. They have been so gracious to me. I have been there every time I've had a book tour. They've always scheduled me, and uh, we've always sold a ton of books there. A lot of great Bulldogs. Looking forward to seeing you guys. And they have that great buffet there. Man, I love going over there. I really do. And then on Thursday, I'm going to be at Capitol Grill in Jackson from 4 to 7. They have been after me for about a year to come do a book signing there, and uh, happy to do it. And I know that the, uh, the Jackson Metro Alumni Association meets at Capitol Grill, so you guys are familiar with the facility. That's 4 to 7 on Thursday. And then we'll take the weekend and go cover a football game. And then on Sunday, I'll be back at Book Martin Cafe, downtown Starkville from 12 to 4 as part of their uh, little Christmas weekend, kind of getting things going. So a lot of opportunities for you to get out and see me here in the next few days. And for those of you that, uh, that do come out, look forward to meeting you. And, and listen, books are available. That's one of the big questions that I get that I know a lot of our Bulldog fans maybe have never been to book signings before. You don't have to buy a book and bring it. There are books there for you to get. Okay, so you can buy the books there you can bring cash you can write a check and you know what they'll even take a debit card so just show up bring your uh your guest list or your wish list for all the bulldog fans on your list and uh you can fulfill their bulldog needs with uh, some great bulldog reading material we got a couple of things we're working on and uh, i can't talk about it just yet but i've teased this a couple times that uh, and I, I've, I have not let myself get excited about it until now. And I will share some things with you here in about three weeks, uh, thereabouts. But uh, there's some people coming to Starkville to meet with me in about three weeks. And, uh, you know, you first hear things and people talk. And, you know, some of the times in life things turn out to be too good to be true. And uh, this is one of those things that I said, well, I'll just kind of wait and see. Uh, but yeah, there's some really cool stuff happening with Flim Flam. And everybody always says, hey, what does that mean? Well, when I can talk about it, I will. But uh, until I have met with folks and there have been documents signed, I don't want to talk about that. Because I've had other people that have offered me stuff and then we can't come to terms. But this is one of those things that we've, 
we're moving forward with this. And so I'll share that with you, but it's very, very exciting. It is something that is going to kind of take, uh, take the brand on a national level for a bit. And uh, I'm excited about that. And uh, a lot of people think they know what's going on, but they don't. And there's just some people on the old Miss side that have suggested they know what's going on. They don't uh, because we hadn't talked about it. Simple as that. We just we haven't talked about it except among ourselves. And so there is something really cool coming. And um, I absolutely cannot wait. I am so over the moon excited about this. And uh, I'm a person that tries to temper my emotions uh, good or bad. But this is one of those things. Again, there have been some developments here in the last few days that uh, I really believe this is going to happen. And so I'm excited about it. And I hate to be so cryptic about it because I know you guys expect me to kind of shoot your level, and I do. But uh, I would hate to tell you this is going to happen and then something fall apart and then I got to come back later and explain. And uh, I don't want to get your hopes up, but my hopes are up now. And so we'll talk about that and uh, as soon as we do. And uh, some really cool people involved in this project, and I think it's going to be something that everybody enjoys. And I look forward to being a part of it. And uh, hopefully we sell some more books off of it. You know, it's one of those things, too. I mean, as much as I enjoy doing all this kind of stuff, you know, you, you, you want to get paid a little bit, too. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not charity by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, again, some cool things happening. And uh, I will have more details for you here in about three weeks. So, but until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies. And people can see a difference in the way we live.